So some of them have swimming pools, they, they all have a gym, some of them have outside terraces and spaces. You've got, I would say, at least five, six common spaces, common living rooms, and also you've got cinema rooms in some of them, which is awesome. Welcome everybody to a special episode of The Future is Remote in collaboration with the Remote Tribe. What you're listening to today is a recording of a LinkedIn Live episode with myself and Andrew Williams. Today we're going to talk about co-living and we're going to talk about whether or not it's more than a dorm room for adults. And I do have a surprise for you. So if you wait until the very end, the last three minutes, we will be launching a MVP of a brand new product. So stay put. So, so my story is that I lived in a co-working space five years ago. I mean, in probably co-living. I don't think you slept in an office. Get it? No. Did I say co-working? Yes. <laughs> I, Maybe that's the been, future. Who knows? Maybe we'll have to sleep in offices. Yeah. There have been episodes where I have slept in offices, but, but I'm not proud of it. I lived in a, a co-living space, tech farm in Stockholm. About five years ago, four to five years ago, Tech Farm K9 was a repurposed hotel. So we were 50 residents and 23 different nationalities living over four floors. We had a hotel room that, that was our living space. And then each floor had a shared kitchen and a shared space. And that shared space was different from, from floor to floor. On one floor was a social space with a movie theater hangout. Uh, it had a chessboard that had a meditation space. On another floor, we had a art space, we had a gym. So, so lots of different shared locations. And the funny thing is, if you think about it in square footage or square meters, the rooms was relatively small. Think of a medium-sized hotel room. So the number of square meters you got personally was low. But if you, if you look at all the shared spaces, all of the kitchens and the hangout rooms, the number of square meters you got was very, very high. So, so I lived there for a little more than a year. And uh, I got to say, I, I loved it. But, but let's get back to why I loved it uh, after we hear right. your story, Andrew. Yeah. So, I mean, my story is quite simple because I was traveling a lot and I didn't want to spend too much time in London or, uh, you know, rent long term. I think co-living came naturally, especially because I was looking for a community because I was single. It, it was kind of a no-brainer because you've got your own space and you also have access to bigger spaces. So it depends on the city, right? So there are different co-living models around the world. But the ones in the big cities are basically either repurposed hotels or uh, on-purpose built co-living spaces, which is, I think, the right thing to do. Um, there's a big difference between um, a repurposed hotel and a co-living space built from scratch. We'll, we'll talk about that later. So um, obviously, I, I was aware about the size of the room, but I didn't care so much because especially at the ones in London, you've got a lot of uh, common spaces and a lot of facilities. So some of them have swimming pools. They, they all have a gym. Some of them have outside terraces and spaces. You've got, I would say, at least five, six common spaces, common living rooms. Um, and also you've got cinema rooms in some of them, which is awesome. So, you know, Everything is basically outsourced for you. It's kind of a Gen Z millennial thingy. But uh, yeah, you've got clean included. There is no bills. I mean, the bills are included in the, in the price. So it's, it's really easy to, to live there. And also you're not stuck with the contract. So I think, it's, um, I, I think it's a good choice for people who want flexibility and people who want to network and uh, be stress-free for a while, I guess. And that's what I'm looking for when I travel because I just want to focus on work, networking, and, and living. So Andrew, why did you choose 
to live in a co-living space. Yeah. So again, um, I think it's it's a very good compromise for what it offers. Even though the rooms are small, I believe you know you've got a lot of a lot of pros like the common spaces, the um, uh, the cinema rooms, the, the swimming pool, the gym. Everything is in one place. It's very easy to to stay fit, for example, because the gym is just a few floors away. And then you've got the networking and the people. It's very easy to meet people, uh, definitely, you know, in the elevator, in the gym. Uh, you've got tech events. You've got cooking events. So it, it's, a very good, it's a very good gateway into a new city or a new country, I would say, as well. So you're talking about the physical aspects, the location. You're talking about the price versus having a, an apartment. Uh, and you're talking about community and people. And, and it's yes. really the community and people part that I'm interested in. Let's talk a little more about that. What can you expect to find from a community perspective if you're in a co-living space? Yeah, so uh, different types of people, definitely. That's what you should expect to find. I mean, we had opera singers. We had uh, remote entrepreneurs. We had remote companies all over the world, distributed employees all over the world. We had people in finance. We had, um, you know, we had nurses. So it's a very diverse place. And I find it fascinating. You can learn so much from, from all these people. And you're definitely going to find your tribe. You're going to find a few very solid people that you're going to stick up with. And, you know, there are parties. You can socialize. There are also events. So, yeah, I think I think it's impossible not to meet some really cool people and not to network. It's it's almost impossible, I would say. What was your experience, Kenneth, with, with networking? I think that's why I, I moved in. I was going through a change in my life. And I wanted to meet new people from different parts of life, to be honest. I'm an extrovert and I, I feel best when there's people around me. For me, the, the diversity of roles, similar to what you said, right? We, we had everyone from entrepreneurs to digital nomads, to researchers, to ballet dancer. Um, <laughs> that diversity was great. But for me, the diversity of nationalities uh, was amazing. In one place, I was able to meet people from 23 different countries and and get a taste and feel of their culture. Yeah, it, it, it is true. Yeah, you know, it is very international usually because again, it's a gateway for people to come inside the specific some specific countries, and uh, uh, they will come with a lot of experience. Like for me, it was fascinating that I, you know we could have discussions on politics, and I could see a lot of different angles or about business that I never thought about. That's a huge win. Like, that diversity is great. Agree. Tell me, co-living isn't only great, right? What are some of the drawbacks, Andrew, that you've experienced? Yeah, there are quite a few, not, not so many, but there are. Um, I think the, 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 the personal space is quite small uh, in, in some of them, like in the big cities, because the price per square meter is really, really big. So they can't really afford to give you too much. I think personal space, it's a thing, but it's, it's being offset by the, uh, by the other facilities you have. You're not spending too much time in your room. You've got co-working space, by the way, in all of them. So you're going to spend a few hours there, maybe you know an hour in the gym, maybe an hour in the living room reading something. So that, that's one of the, the, the things. The other one is probably, um, I would say, the price. Sometimes, it's, it, again, it's, it's pretty expensive. So I think the operators have to work on that still, on finding like a, a good price point because in a lot of cases, it's just like an expensive hotel. And then, you know, like maintenance is a problem sometimes from what I've seen um, because it's a huge place, especially in the big cities. Again, they're like 10, 10 story high buildings or 20 story high buildings and things break sometimes and they're not very responsive because again, they're maybe out of financing or uh, it's a new concept. They, they don't know how to manage it very well. Um, 
So the, how about you can avoid didn't you like in, in your previous place? There were, there were a lot of things to like. Um, and Tech Farm was launched as a experiment. It was a community-driven, self-managed living space. It was set up by the community for the community. And I think that that was beautiful to see a self-managed house of that size. So very quickly, we built great community around that. And you get to know the people very well. So far, so good. I loved it. And then summer came. So I'd been there for uh, maybe nine months. And during summer, a lot of people left. A lot of people who were studying yeah. were done studying. So, so they would go elsewhere. A lot of people went on vacation. Digital nomads were trying different locations. So, so during the summer, the population dropped from, from 50 to maybe 20 people. And, and that's natural in a place like this, but it's nothing I had thought about before. So as um, summer was over and people started moving in again, these were new people. And that's fun and exciting, but I've already built relationships, spent nine months building great relationships with all of these people. And now new people come in and they ask about the Wi-Fi password and, and how the culture works. And you want to start to onboard them and help them. But at the same Absolutely. time, I, I was stuck with this realization that you're coming, but you're going to be leaving in nine months. Like, is it worth it for me to build and establish those relationships when I know you're going to be leaving my life? Yeah. So I have to agree. I noticed that as well. It is difficult. Um, I think the average stay where I was was about six months. Um, some people were there for a year. I was there for on and off for a year and something. So that's quite something. And then, uh, yeah, I agree. It's a problem. But honestly, I see the bright side, Kenneth. Like, I, I do socialize with everyone. I believe, you know, uh, they're great people. And, uh, you know, we still stay in touch, even though they were there for like three months, six months. It's life now. Now it's life. I think I think things, you know, times have changed a lot. So it is why it is. People, people move a lot. They travel a lot these days. And, and same for me. I mean, I have a lot of, of good friends who are on this call listening right now. So it's so amazing that you're all checking in. But my experience is, I guess, there's a time and place for everything. During that period, I had started a relationship and we felt like we wanted a place for ourselves. So, yeah. so that's why we eventually left after being there for a year. But I've seen others like you come and go, go back. And I think it's a great way of integrating and getting to know a lot of new people in a, in a new place. Yeah, and we have to mention something very important. We talked about that, Kenneth, before the show uh, for our audience that one of the main perks of co-living is that you're not really stuck in a in a long-term contract, like rent contract in, in a lot of countries. It, it more works like a hotel. So it offers a lot of flexibility for different stages in life, I guess. You mentioned, um, you mentioned that each uh, all of these places have co-working spaces. So basically an area with desks where you can sit down and do your work. Did you use the co-working spaces? A lot. Yeah, a lot, especially in the pandemic, because I was there a few months during the pandemic and it was great. It was great. Like, you know, a lot of natural light, nice desks. You've got the plugs. Uh, it's very quiet and people respect that. So, yeah, it, it, again, it, it's a good facility to have in a co-living space. And especially if you if you don't go to work every day, it's, it's phenomenal. And some of them have like really, they, they have more than one co-working space. Yeah. Um, I wonder how it's changed with the pandemic, with this move to remote. Because I was working at a startup first and then at Google. So I would go to the office every day. But the new world, people don't go to the office every day. So I exactly. see a new need for co-working spaces. Uh, if they're in a co-living space, great. If not, also great. But I think we have to rethink how and, and when we do our work. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the industry now is talking about the micro corking spaces near, you know, that every neighborhood should have or, you know, near outside the cities, basically, where, where people can just drive 10 minutes or just bike it or walk it. So they, they work there and they just go in the office like once a week or once every two weeks whenever whenever they have to. So I think that's that trend is coming as always somehow related to co-living. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's changed a lot, like the, the way we live and the, the way we work. I agree. You sent me some statistics prior to this call, which I found very interesting. Um, what are some of the trends we're seeing globally when it comes to, to co-living? Are there some markets that are very different than others? Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's some particularities. For example, in Portugal, it seems like there's a lot of demand. There's much more demand than supply. Uh, so I think this stat comes from Coleve.org or something like that. They're saying that they have about 18,000 potential beds. Um, so that, that that's a huge potential for even a few co-living spaces, I would say. So I if mean, you are an operator or someone in the hospitality business, know that there is a market for this, an untapped market for people who are looking for places to stay together with others to be able to, to both live and, and work. And, and that's especially because of a few things in, uh, in Portugal. So they've got a lot of tax incentives right now. They've got the NHR residency status, which allows you not to pay tax for income from, from abroad. There is a lack of rental stock and Portugal's increasing popularity for the food and the weather, obviously. Um, and for example, also like, like Switzerland has uh, a really high demand in both rural and urban areas. And the US, they were saying that a lot of, a lot of small co-living operators got acquired by the big ones, showing that there is still a lot of interest and market is consolidating there. I think a lot of challenges in the industry are, you know, financing and getting the right model. And that also affects us, the users, uh, because when we go there, you want stability, you want to know the facilities will work. And that's all related to their financing and the model. And also that affects the price ultimately. Another thing I've seen parallel to co-living spaces, co-living spaces are, are often organized by an organization or by a community closer, I'd say, to an hotel less, um as this other thing that's popping up, which is more like nomad houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a nomad house, the way I see it is a, a, a hacker house. house. <laughs> a hacker house. Yeah, that's it's the old term for it, right? But, but a house or an apartment with several rooms where somebody is opening up their doors and saying, hey, come here. This is a place for you to, to live, spend a short period of time while visiting and working in the country. You have any experience with this, Andrew? Actually, a bit. So I used to use Couchsurfing before, years back. Uh, it was kind of a similar concept, but it was more for travelers. From what, what you're saying, I think there is a market for travelers and remote workers. And I know a few startups are already building some kind of Airbnb for nomads and remote workers, which sounds phenomenal. I think there's a huge potential there. You have a market where people who want to network and work in technology or related, they can just open their house and receive people based on their rating. I know it sounds a bit weird, but you also don't want to get anyone in your house which is not vetted somehow. I guess the difference from my perspective is in an Airbnb setting, people who will come will often be tourists. Not not always, but it might be a family. It might be somebody with very different interest in, in visiting. So I think what you're seeing in, in nomad houses, 
difference is people have a similar mindset. They're there to both work and travel. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think traveling will change. I mean, so some parts of travel will still stay the same. So the holiday will be a holiday, but they're also going to be working holidays or locations where families or couples can go together and they can explore more while working. Why do you have to have a holiday for two weeks when you can have a longer holiday and blend that with working and be less stressful and explore more from the local culture. So yeah, fully agree. Yeah. And I think travel is going to be longer. If we look yes. at the environmental impact of, of traveling, the, the worst thing you can do is a weekend trip, right? Fly yeah. to Amsterdam for the weekend. That, that has a horrible footprint. But if you were instead to take the train from wherever you are to Amsterdam, and stay in Amsterdam for a month, right? Your footprint is going down. You're able to continue to work. You get a lot more out of that experience. Correct. So, so I, I think our, our vacations will, will turn into longer work trips, workations. Uh, and, and slow travel comes there as well because, um, you know, you can, you can slow travel with a train or with a public transport if you live longer somewhere and, and work. Uh, it's almost the same thing, like, like what you're saying, that, you know, it's, uh, it's changing. So there are different ways to, to travel. If you stay longer, you don't have to be in a hurry. So, you know, go for it. Do, do you think co-living has a future? I think that's an important question before we wrap up. Yeah. Yes. That, that's the easy answer. The, the longer version of that answer is I think the way we work and the way we live is changing. We're going from being very individual, having our own office or having our own place to live towards community. Where, where we live is going to change. How long we live in one place is going to change. So I think lots of different solutions will be necessary. There's a time and place for everything. I think co-living is great if you're new to a city, if you're new to a community. Personally, I don't think it's a long-term solution, but others might find that it is. So I think as a welcoming point into a city or even a, a smaller town or village, I think co-living is perfect. Um, yeah. But we need to back that up with other types of, of living and working as well. Awesome. What, what about you? What, what, where do you see this is going? Yeah, I think I think it's gonna stay here for for a while at least. I think it's a new way of living, especially for for the newer generations that won't be able to afford. Unfortunately, we've got huge inflation everywhere. So I, I think based on that and you know the way cities are going, I think that it's here to stay. It fits travelers, it also fits short term renters and and even couples. And I think there is a market for that, especially in this current socioeconomic system that we have. Um, and I'm looking forward to see how it's going to evolve because we're going to have, I think overall it does improve your, your quality of life. If you don't want to own a place, it's definitely, definitely an enhancer in your life. Super. All right. No, I'm it curious. Is... Yeah. Yes, are I'm you? Curious. <laughs> yes, I am. So, so you know, I am a, a spokesperson and evangelist for, for everything remote, which includes co-living, which includes nomad spaces. And what I've decided to do, I have a house in, in Spain which is uh, way too big for me. I have four bedrooms and I have a, a basement uh, with lots of lights. It's a large open space with, with windows that I've decided to at least test to turn into a remote hub. And what do I mean with the term remote hub? It's a combination of a co-living space and a co-working space. So what I want to do is I want to open up my, my doors to short-term workers. What you can do is you can come, rent for a week or, or a couple of weeks up to a month. And with that, you get access to an office, you get access to, to great Wi-Fi and obviously all the coffee you want, but, but also a community of like-minded people. 
So, what so, we're so I've, be I've doing. got two questions there. The first one is the most important one. Are you going to prepare Go the coffee yourself? <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to be your mama. <laughs> not, a, so, not a hotel. Not a hotel, right? It's no room service. All right. Um, yeah. How about on a more serious note? How about the um, you know the the facilities like the desk and the you know I don't know the monitor and stuff like that. Yeah. So I will be building up the co-working space in the um, in this bright basement, which will have desks, which will have phone booths, might have a podcasting room, which is accessible to the guests. But but that's over time. So as a startup guy, I always believe in experimenting and, and starting small. So what I'm doing in November is I'm launching an MVP, a minimal viable product, just to test the interest and test the needs and, and the wants of the community. So, so what we'll be doing is it's going to be 400 euros per week for a room and an office. But for the two first guests, I will give away that week absolutely free. So if anybody on this call is interested, wants to come to Malaga for, for a week in November, go ahead, PM me. The two first ones in November are absolutely free. You'll help me design it. You'll help me share your needs. And together, we'll figure out what is the best program, the best configuration. Um, and then we'll do a, a larger launch in the new year. That sounds amazing. So people just drop a comment. If you don't mind, Kenneth, I'm going to share that with the network as well in a few words. So just just let me know whatever you want me to to, to say there. But yeah, that sounds great. Good luck with that. I mean, you know, it's it's. I think it's a great concept talking about co-living. Like this is the mini co-living in uh, in Malaga. So uh, maybe it's going to take uh, off. Yeah, and I think the biggest difference is it's not just co-living. What you get with it is some sort of a concept, and, and that concept is to be designed, right? But but I'm thinking accountability meetings. I'm thinking morning stand-ups. So, so basically talking about what, from a work perspective, is necessary the coming week, the coming period, setting yourselves goals and, and following up with, with each other's goals. So, so making sure that you stay on top of your game while you're out enjoying uh, the beautiful uh, life of Malaga. Yeah, I, I, would you show them around as well? Because you've been there for a while. Do you think you can act as a guide a bit? If there's a, a need and a want for that, definitely. If there's a need and want for connecting with other entrepreneurs, connecting with other digital nomads, definitely. It's awesome. a beautiful place and a, and a beautiful city. Awesome. Let's, let's keep that posted uh, on LinkedIn and uh, let me know how it goes. Maybe we can do maybe do, we can do a live with your guests next year. Absolutely. And Andrew, of course, you are more than welcome. If you are one of the first two to PM me, uh, the first week is going to be free. All right, everybody, thanks for, for joining in uh, today. Have the best of days, the best of weeks, and uh, we'll see you guys in the future. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this LinkedIn live recording of an episode done in collaboration with Andrew Williams of the Remote Tribe. My name is Kenneth Hellem, and if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit subscribe. The future is remote.